How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. Friends, welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer, and today we're going to be talking with uh, my new best friend. I think he's my new best friend, absolutely, uh, David Meltzer. He is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing and formerly served as CEO to the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Industry, which was the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. He is a three-time international best-selling author, a top 100 business coach, the executive producer of Entrepreneur's number one digital business show, Elevator Pitch, and host of the top entrepreneur podcast, The Playbook. David has been recognized by Variety Magazine as their Sports Humanitarian of the Year and awarded the Ellis Island Medal of Honor. He is amazing. His life's mission is to empower over 1 billion people to be happy. This simple yet powerful mission has led him on an incredible journey to provide one thing, value, value, value. And all his content, his communication, uh, and that's exactly what you're going to see. So check him out. In this episode, we're going to talk about how he built a $1 million net worth nine months after graduating from college, a $100 million net worth by the age of 32, and then proceeded to lose it all and go bankrupt only to find himself again and rebuild to becoming one of the most impactful people in the entrepreneurial world today. We're going to dig into the four areas of his life that he thinks everyone should have a mentor or coach in, and we're going to talk about something that doesn't seem aligned, but the importance of faith and spirituality and making tons of money and having a very successful life and having a lot of fun along the way. Now, don't forget that we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. And for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com to grab your copy of Shit You Don't Learn in College, available now. Uh, You can check it out on Amazon or go to www.sydlicbook.com to grab it now. All right. How's it going, friends? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. Today, we've got uh, one of my new best friends, David Meltzer. Dave, welcome to the show. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to be here. I love the title of the show. Uh, I love my new best friend, Xander. And I'm really excited to be here to talk about shit that matters. I, I love it, man. I love it. You know, there's there's so many things that that, you know, the last time you and I had a conversation that we're aligned on, and we'll get to some of that. But before we really dig into the meat, I'd love for I'd love for everybody to kind of get a a feel for for your story, how you got to where you're at right now. Um, this may be an impossible question, like I mentioned, but you know, maybe three to five minutes on your your rise. You you made 
you know, you got to a hundred or million dollar net worth within nine months after leaving law school, built to a hundred million dollar net worth uh, by your early thirties. You lost it all uh, and came back. And there's so much more to that story. But if you could kind of give a, a Cliff Notes version for our audience, I think it would be amazing. Yeah, I bet the best way to describe my journey is three worlds. And so I was born into a world of not enough. Everyone around me didn't have enough. I had six kids, a single mom. She worked two jobs as a second grade teacher and filled up turnstiles with greeting cards at convenience stores just so we could eat. She actually packed my dinner in a paper bag many nights and drove us around to her second job. Uh, five boys, one girl. She had one philosophy, doctor, lawyer, or failure. Education yeah. was it to her and it wasn't for me. Money was my savior uh, in the world of not enough because the only time I wasn't happy as a child was when we had a financial stress. The car broke down, couldn't afford the summer camp, whatever it may be, I would catch my mom crying and I decided from the time my dad left at the age of five that I was gonna be rich, I was gonna buy my mom a house, yeah. buy my mom a nice car that wouldn't break down and that would complete the cornerstone of happiness for me. Therefore, in my mind, money bought love and happiness. And I learned through a variety of experiences of trying to be a professional football player, trying to be a doctor, and eventually trying to be a lawyer, to enjoy the consistent every day, persistent without quit, pursuit of my potential. And my potential was next to nothing as I was a college football player. It got a little bit greater as a, as a doctor, as pre-med, but it really was good when I became and went to law school. When I graduated law school is when I entered a new world. I called it the world of just enough. Still a scarce <laughs> world because it's just enough for me and everything, although it appeared to be for other people, even giving, uh, as my mom taught me, the more you give, the more you receive, was a trade, a negotiation. I yeah. would uh, buy things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like. I was always after what other people wanted for me. I was always after what was missing. I was always after what I didn't have. Uh, but there was enough. I was very positive, philanthropic. And nine months out of law school, I decided not to be an oil and gas litigator, but to sell legal research on the internet. Even though my mom told me, talk about shit you don't learn in college, my mom told me the internet was a fad and I was going to make the biggest mistake in my life. Yeah, the good, good, thing, good thing the internet is long gone, man. Good thing it's long gone. Yeah, good thing I didn't uh, get involved with that. But I was a, a millionaire, <laughs> bought my mom a house in a car. Everything reaffirmed from the time I was 24 that the world of just enough was a great world. I had everyone yeah. fooled, buying things I didn't need. If I wasn't happy, I'd buy more things I didn't need. If I wasn't happy, I'd buy different things I didn't need or to impress people I didn't even like. But I lived for about 10 years uh, through a series of you know making a million dollars, selling that first company uh, that I worked with for $3.4 billion in 1995, raising hundreds of millions of dollars on uh, the Silicon Valley and Sand Hill Road, being the CEO of Samsung's uh, first phone division by the time 1990 at 31 years old, running Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, which was to me the scariest time because not only was I a multimillionaire when I ran Lee Steinberg, the most notable sports agency, made the movie Jerry Maguire about us, but I had access to all the things even billionaires couldn't buy. Super yeah. Bowl, Pro Bowl, Masters, Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, SBs, Emmys, Oscars, Grammys. And until I was about in 2006, you know, 30, what, eight years old, 
I was living in that world of just enough. And that's when my wife told me she wasn't happy, uh, that I better take stock in who I was and what I wanted to become. Or not only was she leaving me, which was bad enough, but she thought I'd be dead. And sure enough, yeah. two years later, in 2008, as I turned 40 years old, I claimed bankruptcy. I lost over $100 million. And uh, through that period here, now in the last you know 14 years, I've learned to live in a world of more than enough. So yeah. my mission in life has changed. It's not make a lot of money to be happy and to find love. Even though everything affirmed that in my previous life, it is now make a lot of money to help a lot of people and to have a lot of fun. And I shifted the paradigm of my life uh, from one of currency uh, of love and, and money to me was money, right? To currency of faith. Uh, faith is now my object of energy that I put into the flow to get what I want. And faith is what has gotten me to a point of not only economic success, but passion and purpose with the profitability that I was very good at attaining. I, I love that. And we're, I'm, I'm definitely going to dig into the faith aspect of it. I know in your, in your book, Connected Goodness, which you were so gracious enough to give me last time I was out there, we, you talk a lot about faith and, and uh, spirituality and manifestation. Um, I love, the first thing that I want to point out though is I love what you're saying about, um, you know, I think it was the Buddha that talks about the middle path, right? You know, the Buddha was a prince, went down to nothing and then, you know, walked the middle path. You kind of did it the, the opposite direction, right? You went from nothing up to, you know, all the money and then you walked the middle path. I, I think Jim Carrey talks about it as well. He says, I wish everybody could make all the money they ever want in, in life and in the world so that they could realize that they don't actually need that to be happy and, and joyful. Um, so I love so much what you're saying there and, and that journey that you had to go through to get there. Um, really embodies, you know, a, a lot of the growth that I, I wish everybody could really experience the shit that we don't learn in college. Um, my question, my question for you, really, the, the one of the things that I saw throughout your journey as I was, uh, you know, digging deeper and more into you, you've had mentorship uh, across the entire way of this process. Can you explain to me how mentorship and and uh, support has played a, a massive role in your growth as a person in business and in life? Oh my gosh, it's the second most important thing in that growth. The first yeah. is the ability to ask for help. <laughs> because if you don't know how to ask for help, your mentors won't be able to do anything for you. So I had to switch from ignorant arrogance to ignorant humility to radical humility and learn how to ask for help. And once yeah. I learned how to ask for help, I then found the shortest way to get to where I wanted to be was to find someone that was already there and ask them for directions. And so I've come <laughs> up with a strategy and philosophy of finding at least three people at all times uh, that sit in a situation that I want to be in and ask them for help. Uh, and guess what? Those people are the most gracious and easiest people to not it's only crazy. ask for help, but to give you help. And I have uh, surrounded myself with the greatest thought leaders, athletes, celebrities, millionaires, billionaires, entrepreneurs, even my sleep coach. You know, I went to the top. I went to the best sleep coach in the world, the one that made the Houston Astros win four road games in the World Series and uh, changed my life. It's so funny because you talk about the spirituality or for me, this faith. One of the things that I learned when we talk about being the middle gr grounder, the Buddha, is that if you focus in on what you need, you will have everything else beyond yeah. what you need. Meaning you only need four things to live. You need food, you need water, 
you need air, and you need sleep. And so I have mentors to make sure I eat right and drink right. I have a mentor to make sure I breathe right, you know, meditation, breathing, yep. and all that. And I have a sleep mentor. And because I, if I have found that if you're the best nutrition, best hydration, best breather, and best sleeper, man, you have no problem having passion, purpose, and profitability in your life at yeah, all. Yeah, you don't, you don't need coffee anymore when you've got that, right? No, you don't need anything, man, because everything comes through you in appreciation for everyone else. You acknowledge so much. You don't take for granted what other people are wishing for. It's an extraordinary uh, place to be in that world of more than enough. Limitlessness and infinity exist in your realm. I, I love what you're saying. I'm, literally, as I'm writing out this list, I'm like, well, I have a fitness coach. I have a nutritionist. I have a, uh, a meditation coach, but I don't have a sleep coach. So I may have to reach out to you and get a connection for that one. Because if I want to get to your level, I'm missing one part of the wheel here. Well, here's, here's what drives me nuts. Like, this is how counterintuitive human beings are. This is how yeah. far we're in our own way. Think about this. The majority of the people on earth, they go to sleep so they can get rest. And they wake up more tired than when they went to yeah. bed. Does not make sense. If you're yeah. not waking up at a plateau and grow, if you're living the myth of Sisyphus, pushing a boulder to the top of the hill just to have it roll back down, go get a sleep coach. There, No one on earth should go to bed and wake up more tired. It's like telling you, Xander, let's go to dinner, and then we eat for an hour, drink for an hour, appetizer, salad. And you're starving. Meal, and then you come out of the meal, and, and you go, man, I'm starving. Come on now. No, everybody would be like, you're crazy. You're not eating the right way. But we something, don't something's severely wrong. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, you know, that's one of the things I, my, my nutritionist talks about that. He says, you know, sleep is, he's like, I'm going to tell you nutrition. I'm going to help you with your movement, all of those sorts of things. But he's like, sleep, like just make sure you're getting good sleep, make sure you're getting good quality sleep. Um, and people always ask me, they're like, Xander, like, how do you not, I haven't drinking coffee in, you know, three and a half years or something like that. People are like, how do you have so much energy? I'm like, it's because I don't drink coffee and because I get good sleep. Like, that's it. Two things. Yeah, man. No caffeine, are, good sleep. It's a shift in the paradigm I talked about earlier, right? Once I had faith that I'm connected to and through an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source. Yeah. When, when you have faith that that's true, and I think that's a requirement that you have to believe. I don't care what you name it. God, Buddha, Muhammad, Joseph Smith, doesn't matter to me. Name it whatever you want. But you have to believe in some sort of all-knowing, all-powerful, omniscient yeah. source that is coming through you because then you can shift the paradigm and say, I am healthy, I am wealthy, I am worthy, I am happy. What am I doing to interfere with it if I don't feel that way? Clearly, I'm doing something wrong to get in the way. I So I want to talk about faith for a second because just like you mentioned, faith can actually be a taboo subject. It's something that I talk about in my book. Um, I've, I've now interviewed hundreds, formally hundreds of, uh, of successful entrepreneurs, high-performing athletes, um, and, uh, and, uh, experts in different spaces. And we found that there's three common beliefs for the most successful people in the world. One is they take extreme ownership of themselves. They play a victor in their life, not a victim. Number two, which is a really weird one and contradictory to a lot of self-help gurus, they, they realize they're not good enough, but that they can become good enough. They focus on growth, right? So they focus on becoming better every single day. And number three is a level of faith, right? And Jim Carrey said it really, really well one day. He said, uh, you know, I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about hope. Take a chance on faith. 
Because if you want to be successful and you want to do something different, right? Success by definition is doing something out of the norm, is by doing something more than what other people are used to. So to do that, you actually actually have to be a little illogical. Well, to be illogical, you have to have faith that something is bigger, your, your higher connection or whatever it might be. Um, in your book, you actually say, you know, the key to making a lot of money, helping a lot of people and having a lot of fun, you know, the behind the scenes is this, you know, it's meditation, spirituality, and faith. So could you, could you tell me where, where this level of faith developed, where it came from? And obviously like, I would love to dig in a little bit. How can anybody out there who's maybe not faithful, um, or doesn't have a connection to a higher power can start to build that? I think it comes from a little bit what Jim Carrey was talking about. You wish that everyone could have everything they ever dreamed of. And then they realize they're dreaming for the wrong things. And so for me, because I grew up with nothing in the world of not enough, I was striving and attaching my emotions to an outcome that wasn't happy. I was attaching my emotions and identifying and defining myself by my bank account because I believe money bought love and happiness because it was the only missing piece in my life. And I had to reconcile that to understand one simple thing. And that was once I understood, someone asked me, do you believe there's an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source? And I said, yes. And I said, I don't care what you call it, God, Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, I don't care. But do you believe that? And I said, absolutely, I, I always have. Well, you need to believe a second piece. And this is where my life changed. Once you believe that you, there is an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source, and then you believe that that source cares about you as much as you care about your children or your mom cares about you, then you have faith. Then every time there's a mistake, a failure, a setback, pain, you know it's just an indicator that you have a better place to be, a better position, or someone's protecting you, not punishing you. What do I mean by that? When you're three years old and you go to stick your hand into the campfire because it looks like what you want. It's warm, (laughs) it's sexy, it's cool, and I just want to touch it. And your mom slaps the shit out of your hand and screams at you and you think she's punishing you. You get older and realize my mom was not punishing me. She was protecting me. Yeah. Why do we think any differently except for one thing? The omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source knows a lot more than my mom. The omniscient, all-powerful source was telling me the internet's not a fad. I was going to say, it pushed you toward the internet instead of pulling you away. Exactly. And it caused me pain. you know, in law school did not want to be a lawyer and think I was wasting my time in $100,000 in loans and all the pain that it gave me to say, I'm protecting you, son. I'm protecting you so you'll get to a better place, a better position or put yourself into a better situation. And we just can't fathom that unless you believe two things. The minute you believe that there's an all-powerful omniscient, all-powerful source and it is protecting me at all times like my mother, but it knows everything. It doesn't have ignorant uh, humility or arrogance like our parents do, which is why I love this show because I had to go also through another learning curve that I thought people that were ignorant and arrogant were only people that lied to me, manipulated me, cheated me, and didn't care about me. The scariest people were the people who loved me the most because they were most afraid of me, so they couldn't help but be ignorant and arrogant and pretend like they knew what they don't know. So as a second grade teacher, giving me business advice was absolutely asinine. And although (laughs) my mom loves me more than she should, 
She was trying to protect me by giving yeah. me good advice where the source is going to protect me at all times by giving me better advice because it already knows everything. And this is where it. faith plays an integral role in my life to allow me to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential, seeing pain, setbacks, failures, and mistakes as a protector, not a punishment. I, I love every second of what you're saying right now. Um, one thing that I want to dig into here, I, I want to rectify maybe in some people's eyes the difference between uh, you know, a lot of people might think that being spiritual and having faith and and you know really that connectedness and the material world of being able to make good money and being able to to bring that down to to you know the material world. I think this is something that I respect of you so much is that you are you you have you have one hand in the heavens and one hand firmly connected on earth, right? And I I just love to hear your take on you know rectifying how you can be deeply spiritual but also financially free and and materially free as well well because there's two different frequencies one the man-made construct of time a man-made construct of money is the currency in the man-made construct of time you can't give what you don't have money doesn't buy you love or happiness but it allows you to shop it allows you to shop only in the in the time right only in the man-made construct of time 24-hour day but if you shop for the right things for the right reasons in the man-made construct of time, you're gonna be super happy. Now, the second realm is the realm of thoughtfulness. Thoughts vibrate faster than the speed of light. The speed of light is what determines the speed of time, but thoughtfulness and the truth, they vibrate faster. So the more we pursue our potential in the truth, the more money we can have if we follow what our parents tried to teach us but were ineffective in communicating. What do I mean? What's, what's Every, that, yeah. Yeah, every parent says, the more you give, the more you receive. And you buy into that, but they forget to tell you the first part. Because my mom, she, she you know, gave everything she had until everything dissipated that she had. So now her children have to take care of her financially. She put her health behind everyone else. Now she's not healthy, right? So where's the first step? I'll tell you what the first step is. You got to receive in order to give. You can't give what you don't have. And here's the order of receiving. Appreciate, acknowledge, and ask. These are the I was order. Say, I was going to say, you got to ask, right? Correct. So here's how we do. We, ha we have what we're given. And the first step is to appreciate what we have. Do not take for granted what other people are wishing for. The minute you appreciate what you have, it expands. You add value. Appreciation means add value. So now you have a bigger void to fill. So first you appreciate, which expands what you have. Then you acknowledge it, acquire the knowledge of what you have, which is the only way to acquire knowledge of what you have is to give it away. Then you have a bigger space to fill, a bigger vessel. Now you got to ask immediately. Ask for more than enough because it's unlimited. And now you fill the bigger space again, appreciate it. It grows even more, acknowledge it give it away, and then ask for even more. And this process, I will tell you, even my mission of empowering over a billion people to be happy, when I first came up with it, I thought I was asking for more than enough. Now, I'm asking for crumbs again. Why? Because I keep on appreciating what I'm doing, acknowledging what I'm doing, and asking for more. This is the science of the speed of light, and it only comes from a reconciliation with the speed of thought. Remember, you can only be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than you, so you need to use your higher power of thinking in order to elevate and escalate your thoughts 
because that allows us to be more aware of even things that exist in the speed of light. All the man-made constructs of money and time, regulations, all the different limitations that this world puts on us can be transcended through the speed of thought, the speed of imagination. I'll give you one quick example. You and I right now, let's go a million years in the past. We close our eyes, we're in the dinosaur land in a blink of an eye. If I tell you, let's go do a million years in the future, in a blink of an eye, you and I are on Mars in a killer uh, hotel under, under the sand. No problem. That's the speed of thought. But if I, tell you, if I yeah. tell you, hey, let's go back to yesterday, we can't do it because the speed of light is limiting, but the speed of thought is not. So let's reconcile the speed of thought, faith being the currency in the speed of thought, money being the currency in the speed of light. That's how I deal with it. You got to appreciate, acknowledge, and ask. I love it, man. We've got we've got time for one last quick question before I let you go, Dave. Uh, always always got to ask, especially for people like you that have been through the ups, the downs, the lefts, the rights, the you know upside downs, all of the things. What would you define success as in your life? Oh, that's easy. So for me, kindness is success. If you can live with gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration. If you can live in kindness, and to be kind is to be kind to your future self by doing good deeds. Kindness to me uh, encompasses all success. If somebody, the legacy that I leave, if you know, whatever 111 years into this uh, journey that I am, whenever my body gives out, if uh, my dream would always be for whoever asked, hey, did you ever hear of David Meltzer? And they say, that's one kind dude man, I would have lived my life to a complete success by enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of my higher self, my peaceful, kind, happy self, one that has acknowledged and appreciated and asked for everything that I've had. So being on here is an opportunity for that, and I appreciate you, and hopefully uh, you too will be empowered to empower others to be happy. David, thank you so much for today. I know our audience is going to get a ton out of this. Uh, for you guys listening in, make sure to put this episode on repeat. Uh, David, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show today. You got to reach out to me at David Meltzer, David at dmeltzer.com. I do free trainings, books, everything's free. Just reach out, David at dmeltzer. Check him, check him out on Instagram. He is the man. You guys are going to absolutely love him. Thanks a ton, David. Take care, Xander. Have a good one, boss. All right, that's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton. Thanks a ton.